actually shameless plug, not shameless because it's, it's Jesus and it's great. Um, we have a worship night coming up. <laughs> I, I'm sure you've seen some of the uh, announcements and stuff like that, but yeah, we have a, a worship night coming up. The first since I've been here with Lifetree, which is really exciting. It's coming up on July 31st. So what is that, a week and a half? To co- I don't even know. But it's Monday. It's on a Monday. Yes. But we'd love for you to come out because it's going to be this except just extended. We're just, there's no rush. We're just going to spend time in the presence of God. And we're just pumped because I really believe that God has plans. When we organize things like that, it's, it's nice, but it's like God actually does stuff through that. And that's really cool that we get to be a part of it. So if you can make time in your schedule, carve it out, come, come visit. It's going to start at 6.30 and it's going to end at 9. So we'd love to have you guys there. But yeah, that's the, that's the gist of worship night. But yeah, can you believe they let me preach again? Here we are. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> you know, our dear Pastor Dan is on vacation. It is a must-needed vacation because he's awesome. So I'm glad he's away and he's resting, him and the family. And we are kicking off a new sermon series today called Wisdom from Above. Wisdom from Above, and our passage is in James. So if you want to turn... We've got James, we're in the New Living Translation, James 3, 17 through 18. Before we jump into it, I want to know, how many of you would consider yourself to be wise? I, don't raise your hand. If you raised your hand right now, <laughs> there was one person that raised their hand, should I do it? Yeah, this is, that's the perfect way to, how to make a church judgmental, 101. You think you're wise? This guy... Every spouse right now is like, don't you dare (laughs) raise your hand. You're not wise. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, when I think of wisdom, I think of, do we have any beardy old men in in here? No, there's no. Yeah, I think of like the beardy old man, like he's seen a thing or two. The the family matriarch, we had our nanny, Italian, through and through, family, talk about wisdom. Nanny was a wise woman. She's now with Jesus. Um, or it's just someone, we think about someone who has many years of experience in something, right? In a field that we're working in or just somebody who's elderly. Wow, you've lived a long time, you must have experience. When I was younger, I didn't think of wisdom at all. I don't even know if I said the word before I was in college. I don't think about the word wisdom, I don't think about being wise. I just did whatever I felt like. Does anybody do what they just feel like all the time? It's a really great way to live life, it's also really dangerous. <laughs> so, <laughs> when I was younger, uh, about 17, I, I want to tell you a story, and it's embarrassing, but this is what people do when they preach. They tell embarrassing stories. So if you'll allow me to indulge. Um, I was 17 years old. I lived in Manalpa, New Jersey, and I had a girlfriend in Lakewood, New Jersey. So it was a little bit of a hike. It was like 40 minutes, and would travel out. I just got my car. I thought I was really cool. It was a Jeep. Any Jeep people out here? No? Okay, yeah. Well, it's a great car. It was a bucket of bolts, and I got in many accidents. That's besides the story. Uh, So I'm driving out, and it's late at night, and I have curfew, because in New Jersey, there's a little thing called curfew for, like, people who are younger, and they're driving, like 17-year-old students, right, when they're driving. You come 18, and you don't have to have curfew anymore. But I'm driving to her house, and then it's all good and done, and now we're done, but I'm leaving way too late, and I'm like, in my head... In my not wise head, I'm thinking, the faster I go, (laughs) the quicker I'll get home, the less time I'll be on the road to be caught after curfew. I really had this thought, guys. Like, this really, this was the rationale in my head. And I wasn't, like, trying to 
I, like this is really what I thought. So I got in the car and I just played some music and I just drove faster than I've ever driven in my whole life. I maxed out the speedometer, which maxed out at 85 miles an hour. It's a Jeep. So we're driving, it really does. <laughs> so it's like bouncing to 85. I'm on the highway, you know. But then I started to do some seriously illegal things. Like I was, I'm sorry that I'm breaking the immersion of me as this good guy. I'm, I'm evil through and through, okay? This was also many years ago, so I've since changed since then, okay? Um, I'm blowing through red lights like it's my job. And I'm like, well, I blew through that one. I could probably blow through this one. Blah, blah. I'm okay. Late at night. I'm doing this. And then we're on the highway. We're flying. We get off the highway, and I'm almost home. I'm right there. And I start to pass people on the double yellow because I, apparently I had a death wish. I don't know what was happening. You have to understand. It was just a moment in time that I was not really using my brain. And then I passed maybe like three or four people and come up to this other guy. I'm so close to home at this point, maybe five minutes. And I'm like, what's this joker doing? I'm going to pass him. So I pass him. And then he starts riding, like right up behind me. And I'm like, uh-oh, he's going to take my plates. He's probably going to call the cops on me or something like that. So I start riding even faster. Can you believe that I'm the person that did this? <laughs> I really did this, yes. <laughs> I make the turn. I pass another stop sign. And then, boo, the lights go off. I passed an undercover cop on the double yellow. Yes, I did. He pulls me over. He pulls me over. And I'm just like, I'm dead. Like, this is it. He's probably going to shoot me. Like, what, what do I do right now? He gets out of the car, and I'll never forget. I will never forget. He walks up to the car, and I'm just, like, shaking in my boots. And he walks up to the car, and he's like, what are you doing? <laughs> it's like, what are you doing? <laughs> you idiot. <laughs> and I was like, I remember saying, like, I'm just, I'm just trying to get home. And he's like, wait here. He got my license and registration. He gave me four tickets that night. Passing on the double yellow stop sign, uh, speeding, and no seatbelt, because I didn't wear my seatbelt. $1,000 stop, had to pay the surcharge, went home, and I showed my, my dad the tickets, and he was just, <laughs> he was, I, I was so surprised that I was allowed to sleep in the house that night. I just could it was like terror and fear all embodied in my little body, and I just couldn't help but like laugh at it. I was like, well, I guess I'll die now. This is it. <laughs> this is the end of my life. That was... <laughs> Probably the lowest moment in my life in terms of wisdom, I couldn't have been stupider. I couldn't have been more dumb than that moment there. And I pray that none of you experience anything like that. If you're young, please heed of my advice. Don't do what I did, okay? Because it took years to get over that. Like, you have to pay money, and oh, it's, just, it's horrible. And Jersey's horrible. It makes you pay. Do you know what makes you pay? A surcharge, if you get a certain number of points. I had to go to, like, dumb people driving school again <laughs> with a bunch of other people who were like, it was just, it was a time, it was a time. But this wisdom that we're talking about today, the wisdom from above, is not that wisdom. This is, this is a holy wisdom, and this is wisdom that each and, you, each and every one of us can have. So we turn to James 3, 17 through 18, New Living Translation. We've got the scripture up there, and I'm going to read it, and then we're going to dissect it together. But the wisdom from above is, first of all, pure. It is also peace-loving, gentle at all times, willing to yield to others. It's full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds. It shows no favoritism, and it is always sincere. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. 
Jesus, thank you so much for your word. Thank you that you call us to be in this space right now, that your word is alive, it's reaching for us, it's speaking to us. This morning, God, I pray that I would not be an obstacle for what you want to do. I pray that you would speak through me, Father, really clearly. I pray that you would help us not leave the same way that we came here, that by your word, by your spirit this morning, by whatever you have to say, Father, we would be transformed, we would, be, we would look just a little more like you this morning. That's my prayer, Father. I love you, Lord. Thank you for our community. Would you speak to us this morning? In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. All right. All right, so wisdom. Throughout the next couple of weeks, we're in a sermon series, so we're going to break down each of those attributes, but today we're going to talk about purity. Pure. So the, the list was pure, peace-loving, gentle, willing to yield to others, full of mercy, full of good fruits and deeds, shows no favoritism, and is sincere. But today we're going to talk about purity. So what is wisdom? Can I tell you, I met with Pastor Dan in preparation for this sermon because he kind of helps me ask the right questions and whatnot, and it's great. But I'm sitting there, and he's like, he just nonchalantly asked me, he was like, so how would you define wisdom? And I, I couldn't do it. I was like trying, I was trying to think of this like textbook way to describe it, and I was like, oh, good, you think good things? I don't know, I didn't know how to do it. Like it was very hard for me to, to define. Worldly wisdom, okay, but this kind of wisdom that we're talking about is even more complicated to define, but it's actually really simple. It's simply divine advice. Wisdom from above is divine advice in moments of decision, helping you to discern what to do next. We've all been in moments of decision, every moment of every day, but that's all wisdom from above is. It's divine advice. It's not just knowing the right thing to do, but you're actually receiving it from the Lord. So let's talk about the importance of the fact that purity is in the beginning. Purity is the first of all of these. It says, first of all, purity speaks to our relationship with God in this list, and the rest of the list speaks to our relationship with others. Isn't that neat? The first of all is actually purity, and it's the only one in the list that talks about your relationship to the Father, and the rest of them in the list is all about you with one another and me here on earth. So if our relationship with God is marked by ill motives, hypocrisy, selfish pursuits, ambitions, things like that, then you probably know that we're not going to experience this wisdom from above. And if our relationship with God is marked by unmixed motives, righteousness, and holiness, then yeah, you're going to see wisdom from above in your life. It'll be evident. Why does this even matter, though? Who cares? We got a list that's great, it's cool. Because James is highlighting a really important truth here, and that's every perfect thing comes out of your relationship with God. And I, when, I, when I wrote that, I asked myself, I looked at it and I was like, do I really believe that? Like, yeah, I do. But there's moments where it's hard to believe that. Like every perfect, every good and perfect thing in your life actually flows, flows directly from Jesus. It all comes from him in the first place. None of it is something that we can conjure up. We could conjure up good things, things that might feel good in the moment, but the perfect right thing, no, that comes from Jesus. And that's what James is highlighting here. He's saying, hey, this whole list, it's good, but the first and most important that paves the way for the rest is actually purity. Um, so inversely, no perfectly good thing can come out of anything else. There's a reason why for, uh, purity is marked, first of all. It paves the way for the others. So another scripture where we see a similar list of virtues, and you might have been thinking of this um, if you're in the Word or you're in branches, uh, Galatians 5, 22 through 23. We could put that up there. This is the fruits of the Spirit. 
It says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such there is no law. Notice how love is listed first. And ask yourself, can you have any of the other attributes without love? Absolutely not. Love is listed first because it's paving the way for the others. It's important. It sets the stage. There's another example. Um, stay, stay with me. We're flying. I know. But I want to show you these scriptures because I want to show you that this isn't just an anomaly that James did, but it's actually this coherent truth that you see throughout scripture. 1 Corinthians 13. Everybody, do you know what that one is? That's the love chapter. You hear it a lot at weddings, um, and they have them repeat and stuff like that. The context of this scripture is actually not weddings. It's using spiritual gifts in the church and how to, how to use them. The correct way to use them is, I'm going to read it above here. Uh, actually, no, I'm not going to read that scripture. But basically, the key takeaway is, if I seek to do ministry of the Lord with spiritual gifts, but I don't have love, I'm useless. Scripture actually says in this passage that I'm nothing. <laughs> That's how important love is. Uh, so, love, if love is an indicator of the Spirit in our lives, in these examples, then purity is an indicator of wisdom. It has to be. We just see in simple writing style, it was put first, it's first of all, purity is the mark of wisdom from above in our lives. So, purity in this passage. Everybody with me so far? We just dove right in, but we're going to go even deeper and stay with me because this is really good. Uh, so, derived from the Greek, we're going to go Greek this morning, uh, there's a term called hagne. That's probably the most American pronunciation of that, and I don't care. I'm just going to, it's hagne, 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 I don't know. Make it up. It doesn't matter. The term connotes the absence of spiritual and behavioral imperfections that define a person who's double-minded. So no imperfections, spiritual or behavioral. It's absolute purity. That's the term of purity in this passage. You also see that term found in the Old Testament. It's not just here in James. It's also found in Psalms 12, 6. So we're going to jump again, but we have it on the screen. Uh, Psalms 12, ver uh, verse 6, the Lord's promises are pure. That's the term hagne. That, what I just, what I just mentioned, the, the definition there. Like silver refined in a furnace, purified seven times over. So just looking at this passage, I can know that truth, the truth here is that God's words are pure. Another passage, Proverbs 21, 8. This is the English Standard Version because it uses the actual English word pure. Same term, hagne. The way of the guilty is crooked, but the conduct of the pure, pure, is upright. Uh, upright meaning like morally right or straight. And the truth here is that God's people, we're not guilty, right? We've been bought with a price, we're saved by grace. So the way of the guilty, not, not us, God's people can partake in the character of God in this purity, that we have access to this purity, and we can follow him with honest motives. So what does this reveal about God? What do you feel like this, what, what truth does this reveal about God? And I felt like this week, the Lord just made it really clear to me, and it was like, if God's words are pure, and his character is pure, then we can know that God himself is pure. We can know. We don't have to just 
but we can know that God himself is pure. Okay, so God's pure. That's great. Thanks for using a lot of words to say the simplest sentence. You're welcome. That's what I'm here for, and I'm here all week. Um, No, the struggle really comes when we add people into the mix. People. (laughs) I know we have a lot of introverts here. I'm an extrovert. I love people. But people are difficult. I don't have to go in depth to describe to you how people are difficult. We all know people are difficult, and they complicate these simple truths. You and I are not pure. You and I are not incorruptible. We are not perfect, and we do not have the perfectly right answers all the time. We just don't, even if you have a good track record, and you're like, yeah, I've been doing pretty... No, it's not perfectly right. It's good in the scope of what you can see, but it's not divine wisdom. It's not divine advice from above. So the problem is that we're actually faced with decisions all the time. Think in your life, even this morning, what you chose to put on, when you chose to leave, were you going to put the coffee in this mug or this mug, whatever, you're making decisions every moment of every day, where you're going to sit. I could keep going, but you get it. Yeah, some are trivial, like, you know, what lane are you going to choose to check out in the grocery store, uh, but some are far more serious, and I know some of us, this, some of these more serious decisions hit home, like your father just came down with a life-threatening illness. He may have weeks to live. Your husband just lost his job. Your child is starting to distance themselves from the faith. A loved one has hurt you deeply. Your spouse just told you that they've been unfaithful to you. Our days are filled with moments that require something of us. You can't just passively go through life. We know that. There's something required of us every day, and it could be exhausting, but, but the moments where decision has to be made Uh, Far too many of us make our decisions based on what we know and what we can see because it's familiar. It's comfortable. It's, it's, we know it. When we do things twice, three times, it's like, okay, I know that that's going to work. I'm just going to keep doing this. We feel sometimes responsible for the outcome of the decision. And the struggle that you and I feel in those specific moments is that worldly wisdom is corruptible. It's not incorruptible. It's not pure. It has ill motives. It it can decay. It spoils. It's politically motivated at times. It's power hungry. It's riddled with selfish ambition. And the sad thing is, we were made in the image of God, right? The Imago Dei. We were made in the image of God. So you're thinking, like, how, how, how can we be so corrupt like this? Our willing embrace of sin, this is the Jesus story, right? Our willing embrace of sin corrupted us. And it's the worldly wisdom that we now rely on. Has, it produces this kind of fruit. It isn't inherently perfect. It's corruptible. You know, there's just recently, uh, this quick story. There's a guy, maybe like two months ago, on Instagram. He messaged me. I get messages every now and then from random people, because I make like music. I, I put music out there that's different, uh, different than this. I mean, it's just like instrumental stuff for video and whatnot. And I put it out there, and sometimes I get messages from people, and they're like, wow, this really... I really appreciate this song, and I read it, I'm like, that's great, thank you, I'm going to keep writing music, that's awesome. And this guy messages me, it's good, don't worry, he wasn't angry. He messaged me, and he was like, hey, I want to have you on my podcast, because I want to hear about your songwriting process. Your music's really good, I want to get to know you, and just dissect, uh, you know, uh, pick your brain a little bit. And I got that message, and I was like, that's really cool, this is awesome. This might be an opportunity for me to share a little bit of uh, how I, like, integrate my faith 
into my songwriting. Because I, I try and do that. I try and make it not just about me, but like elevate the Lord in it. And I'm having these thoughts, and I'm letting the idea kind of ferment, because he emailed me, so I had some time to think. And I'm thinking more and more, and I start slowly but surely. I'm like, yeah, this is really good. This is good. This is good for me. This is probably good for my music career, and I could post about it, and people would think, oh, he's pretty cool. Yeah, look at this guy. He's on a podcast. That's really cool. If you make it on a podcast, we know you made it, right? Yeah, you made it. Yeah, that's the pinnacle of American society is podcasts. Um, so I'm starting to think like, yeah, that's pretty cool. Uh, yeah, I want to be a part of it. Yes, I'll do your podcast. Yes. And slowly but surely, it kind of slowly twists into something that is full of selfish ambition. It's full of something that's for me. And you're probably thinking like, yeah, it's good. You had a good opportunity. Take advantage of it. But remember, every good and perfect thing, it comes from God. It's his anyway. It's not mine. <laughs> so, and I, can I even take a step back? So I just told that story. Even me telling you this story right now can be out of selfish ambition. It can be corruptible where I want you to know that I make music and I'm great and this and that. It's not, I promise you, but it could be. And I'm just going to show you like none of us have it in us to be totally pure. To our, to our deepest core, we don't have it. Scripture calls us tattered rags. But it's God that makes us holy. It's God that brings us, brings that holiness and that purity to completion. So worldly wisdom could never be pure or perfect. We know it. The good news is that the wisdom from above truly is perfectly right, perfect and right for you all the time. There's never a time when it's not. Really think through that. Think, now think in your own life that the wisdom that God offers us, that we can partake in, because we're allowed to, but we see the character of God that we saw in the scripture earlier. This, we're invited into this. It's perfectly right for you all the time. What are the implications of that in your life? You don't have to wonder ever if you made the right decision. Can you imagine all the life decisions you've ever made? You don't have to wonder if it was right. You don't have to hope the outcome will be the right one. You don't have to hope that the other person that you're confronting is going to respond the right way. You don't have to hope. You don't have to hope. You can know fully. You don't have to be anxious about any uncomfortable confrontation. You don't have to hope that you made the right decision for your loved one's health treatment. You don't have to pray in desperation for your backsliding child. You don't have to come from that position. You can be completely sure, because it's perfectly right for you. The wisdom from above has no expiration date. Because it's perfectly pure, because it's always right. There's never a moment where it expires, where God prompts you or tells you something, or you feel like, this is from God, this is what I should do. And a month later, it's like, well, that must be that, I guess that's not for me. No, it never expires. It's always pertinent. It's always right. We make vastly different decisions based on how we feel. And this wisdom from above isn't subject to emotions. It's not subject to the things that we deal with here. Wisdom from above is just objectively right. It's the most perfect solution. And it will always yield the perfect outcome 100% of the time. Caveat. Okay? Big caveat. This doesn't mean that life is easy. <laughs> right? 
Like, just because we have access to the perfect answers or this pure wisdom from above, it doesn't mean that we're not going to go through difficult things or that we're not going to experience hardship. There's going to be sickness. There's going to be confrontation. People are going to hurt you. People are probably hurting you right now. I'm sure you could think of multiple people in your life that you're like, man, that, I'm, I'm carrying that. It doesn't mean that it's going to be easy. It will never be easy. We were never promised an easy life. Jesus never promised that. He just promised us life. <laughs> uh, it's, life is full of pain. It's full of hurt. But what we do is we die to ourselves and we trust in God. We trust that he actually is the provider of this pure wisdom from above. We can know that trusting in this actually is the right way to live. To live fully trusting that every outcome is actually in his hands. So, what does this actually require of us? We kind of bulldoze through a lot of those initial points there, like the scriptures and stuff like that. But what does this actually mean for you? This happens to me really often. I don't know if you feel this way. I'm like a Bible college grad. Like, I... I like to think I'm not an idiot anymore, like the driving story, right? Yes, but like now I hope, you know, like I'm not, but sometimes when I hear a sermon and I'm like, that's really good, but what do I do about, like what do I do? (laughs) What do you want me to do? What do we do about the fact that God is pure, that we have access to this? It's really simple. Just turn from relying on worldly wisdom, which is very comfortable and familiar, and get God's pure wisdom. Get God's pure wisdom. I'm going to show you how. Proverbs 4, 5 through 9. New Living Translation. We'll put it up there. A lot of scriptures, but I'm not going to apologize because it's the word of God, so it's great. Get wisdom. Get wisdom. Develop good judgment. Don't forget my words or turn away from them. Don't turn your back on wisdom, for she will protect you. Love her. This is a, um, a metaphor. Love her, and she will guard you. Getting wisdom is the wisest thing you can do. And whatever else you do, develop good judgment. If you prize wisdom, she will make you great. Embrace her and she will honor you. She will place a lovely wreath on your head. She will present you with a a beautiful crown. The context of this passage is really cool. It's actually a story of a father imploring his son. As a father would train up his child, get wisdom. Whatever the cost, it's the most important thing get wisdom. It's not, getting wisdom isn't through trial and error. It isn't through reaching old age. It isn't through just various experiences. That's worldly wisdom. That's experience. That exists. I'm not saying it doesn't exist. I'm saying this worldly wisdom that we're reading about, I'm I'm sorry, the, the wisdom from above that we're reading about here is not those things. It's actually being close to the Father. In this story, the father, it's in Israel, training happened in the home. That's where kids were raised. Now it's it's everywhere. It's it's days, school and camp and stuff like that. It's, It's the community. But training primarily happened in the home, close to the father. In our lives, getting wisdom also happens in the home, close to the father. Do you see the line that I'm drawing here? The father being Jesus, the father being God get close to Jesus, and we can know this wisdom. So I I feel like it's so simple. Be in his presence. Be in his presence. Get close to the Father. 
I'm sure many of us right now could look at our prayer life, could look at our abiding time with Jesus, and we'd probably think, that could be better. <laughs> we all feel, I feel that way. Look, we all feel that way. We're people. Life is pulling us in every which direction. It's nuts. But the closer you get to the Father, the more opportunity you have to learn his character, to learn who he is, to be influenced by who he is. It's the same with, like, with friends. The more time you spend with your friends, with family or whoever, you kind of become like them. The weirdest thing, and I hate this, that I do, if I spend a lot of time with a friend, I start to laugh like them. And I hate it because I don't like other people's laughs. They're typically annoying and like, I don't want that. But you kind of become like them the more you spend time with them. That's the same with being with the Father. You, your heart beats for what his heart beats for. You care about the things he cares for. You pray differently. You act differently. You are different. You're, tra- you're changed being in his presence. So, practically, I said I was going to give you practical steps to actually do this. I mean, let's call the elephant in the room. This is really distracting. It is. This is a great thing. This is also a horrible thing. <laughs> I, guys, guys, a couple weeks ago, I read a book called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Mark Homer. Ever hear of that book? It's kind of new. It's, uh, you, have you read it? Yes? No? Yep. Oh, pod- podcast! Yes! 2023. Um, I read it because I, pod- I, I can't with audiobooks. It's, it, I don't focus. But, um, so I read the book. And basically, it's, just a, it's nothing new. It's just learning how to silence all of the distractions so that you can be with Jesus. It's like literally that simple. Um, but how do you do it? There were a lot of practical solutions in that. Just a couple weeks ago, I was so influenced by the book, and this is my personality. I'm an all-in kind of guy, okay? I don't go half on anything. We moved here. I'm all in, okay? So I read the book, and I was like, all right, we're going to take Sabbath. Like, we're going to actually do a Sabbath, and I'm going to get rid of my phone. I'm going to get, like, a dumb phone, like a flip phone with no internet. I'm going to go all in on this life. Don't, don't, I know you're, (laughs) I know you're laughing at me right now. It was another, maybe not wise decision practically. I got that phone, and like I'm getting texts, and I'm trying to reply, and it is so hard. Have you tried? Have you tried? I can't. I'm like trying to reply, and just so many times, I'm like, it's just easier just to call you. I'll just call you. Like, call them. But yeah, I, I survived about a week, and then I gave it back. Yeah, I couldn't do it. It's, and then I got this again, but I got like a, a dumber version of a smartphone. It's older, and it's very simplified. So I'm partly in that way. But all that story to tell you, um, silencing distractions, and this is one of the main distractions, but there are thousands of distractions in our life that are vying for our attention constantly. And if you are not intentional, you will just downward spiral and you will become just a horrible version of yourself that you never wanted to become. The phone is such a distracting thing. So physically, get away. We're talking about being in his presence. Physically get away, put the phone on, do not disturb, leave it in the drawer, and physically remove your body from distracting situations and go to a space that you and your family, everybody knows, that's dad's space, that's mom's space, that's whatever. They're going to go there and they're going to be with Jesus. That's it. It could be five minutes, it could be an hour, it doesn't matter, but removing the distractions is key. And if you're the kind of person like me where things pop in your head and you're like, I need to write this, oh, and like that, I need to do this, do this, do this. Just have a little notebook next to you and just write the things that pop in your head that are distracting you in that moment. I got to email this guy. 
Don't forget to call him back. Put it away. These are practical solutions. I actually learned that from a pastor early in my ministry that he did that. And I was like, you're not mature enough to just keep that in your head? And then I realized, like, oh, like, yeah, the world's really hard <laughs> to silence yourself. Like, you need to do those kinds of things. Um, let, your, let your family know that you're going to have this space and that you have this time where you go and you do this to go be close to the Father. Set a time, just like you would at work, just like you would in school. You have a class that you go to. I know this sounds really elementary, and I don't mean to insult your intelligence, but if I were to ask us to all raise our hands and say, how many of us are actually doing this? I'm sure it's not a lot. And I'm, me too, okay? Like, I'm in the same boat. Set a time, put it in your calendar, and stick to it. And don't cut class. You have zero cuts. If you cut, you fail the class. Okay? <laughs> stick to it like you would something that you're passionate about. Be diligent in this. Be disciplined. Be close to the Father. The Holy Spirit actually speaks to us when we're disciplined in this way. The Holy Spirit has a bunch of names. The Counselor, the Comforter. I want to zero in on Holy Spirit as Counselor this morning because this is like a key way that we're able to be close to the Father. During the Last Supper, Jesus said that he would be leaving his disciples. He was going to go ascend into heaven and that he would send an advocate. The Greek, I'm going Greek again, sorry. The Greek word that Jesus used was parakletos, which means someone who comes alongside during times of legal difficulty. So in our kind of day and age, it would be like a family attorney. Um, this was a helper, an advocate, or a counselor to come alongside you and to fill in the gaps of things you don't know to make sure that you can move forward, you can grow, that you can get the thing done. The Holy Spirit has the perfectly right answer for you. Getting with Jesus, being intentional, silencing distractions, and being with the Spirit, asking the Spirit to help you learn how to listen, help you learn how to trust, reveal wisdom that may have already been revealed to you, that you were too blind to see earlier because of distractions, or because you didn't want to see it. I don't know if anybody else says that, but like sometimes you, you hear something that God says, and you, and you feel it in your spirit, but you're like, nope, I don't want to do that right now. <laughs> it's just, you go about another thing because it's too much work. It's too hard. Or you, you don't want to believe that that's what you have to do. Ask the Lord to re-reveal those things to you. Take the blinders off my eyes. Ask the Lord to speak to other people before you're about to go and maybe have a con con like confrontational conversation where you have to approach someone. This always works. I, in my life, I have never seen, ever, a moment where I'm going to have a rough conversation. I know I got to talk to someone or I got to bring something up that's uncomfortable where I pray and I ask God, please go before me. Give me the words. Say what I need to say. And he doesn't come through. He always comes through. It always works because this is the purpose of the Spirit. It's one of the little purposes is for him to go before, to be our family attorney and to be our advocate in life, whatever we need, in every decision. The secret sauce is the Holy Spirit. I should have put that on the screen. The secret sauce is the Holy Spirit. Don't write that down. The next thing to do, we want, we want to be in his presence, be close to the Father. But another way to be close to the Father is to be in his word. The word as in the word of God, the, the Bible. We believe that every word in the Bible is divinely inspired. It's inherently true. And every story has an application 
And the Spirit can reveal this to us as we're reading the stories. Something really, really great, really great, is called SOAP. Have you guys heard of this? It's a way of doing devotions. Dan's talked about this, right? Pastor Dan? I'm sure he has. It's a, it's a way of reading the Bible, and I'll just explain it really quickly. Um, it's an acronym. Scripture, observation, application, prayer. You sit down, you're reading a passage of Scripture, and through that passage, you, you pick out something that stands out to you, and you write that Scripture down in the Scripture slot. And then the observation. What do you observe about the context of this Scripture? What's happening? What do, you, what do you see? The application. What do I feel like my application is based on what I just read here? What is the Spirit prompting me right now? And then prayer. What's your prayer to the Lord based on what you've, what you've just learned from what you've read? It's so rudimentary. It's so elementary, but it's, it's so key to being intentional and really pulling out applications from Scripture. Scripture's full of stories that we can glean from, that we can learn from. And the Spirit can reveal this to us as we read. And we purpose to do things like that. So, I guess the question would be, okay, if I do this, what's going to happen? If I commit myself to doing these disciplines, this is, I'm adding more to our plate right now. We're all so busy. Like, it's more intentionality. It's easier to just sit on the couch and veg and just have a night where you relax from the stresses. But this is like diving headfirst into it. What's going to happen? You will always make the right decision. That's it. You will never make the wrong decision. I can stand up here and say such a ridiculous statement like that because God is pure, because we follow the one true king that offers this, and we can partake in his character. This isn't distant. This isn't like some God that we hope might hear us one day. No. He sent the Spirit who's with us right now, who is our counselor and advocates for us, we have this. So every decision that you make, be it little or life-changing, is in his hands. Every outcome is in his hands. So every decision we make will actually be correct. Anybody have, like, crippling fear of decision-making? Don't raise your hand. But I know there are people out here that do. I have a friend. Love him. Love him. But he is unable to make a decision. The smallest where to go to eat, what, you know, he could put on his clothes, but like where, the, the little bigger than that, like where to go, like wait, job stuff like that. He won't make a decision for so long because he's really fearful of like negative outcome, of being wrong. You can know that as you're close to the Father, as you're committing yourself to being near him, that you will literally never make the wrong decision. What peace we can know just by being close to Jesus, by really submitting to this simple, simple truth. And in a way, I kind of hate, I don't hate. It's hard for me to preach this because I'm learning this. <laughs> I'm, I haven't figured this out, okay? I'm not standing up here like, eh, me. No, I haven't. I, I need to do this. I need to continue to be close to the Father and actually trust that I will actually make the right decisions. If we submitted to this thought, our life would be so different. Our relationships that need to be mended could actually be mended. Whether it's, sometimes you can't be best friends with everybody, right? It's sometimes the best decision is to distance, but you would know if that's the right move or you would know if reconciliation and mending is, is what needs to happen. You'll know, you don't have to question. How many people, I like thinking about this when I'm thinking about this application, how many people might come to know Jesus through my submitting 
of this truth, me submitting to this truth, just by seeing my life. You're like, wow, how could she do that? Something's different. People notice. People are watching. They'll notice the Jesus in you, the Spirit doing this work. You'll never second-guess a decision. You can never, uh, if you thought of it, you can unthink it. But if it's revealed by the Spirit, it carries this holy weight. It is forever true. So you can't, oh, that probably wasn't. No, it really was. (laughs) And you can know it's true. I love the fact that this isn't something that we have to like hope that we can attain, but that just by reading Scripture, knowing, knowing that we're children of God, this is who we are. It's the mark of a Christ follower. If you follow Christ, if you just committed your life to Jesus yesterday, you're in the family. This is you. You can partake in the character of God. It doesn't matter. You're his child. I'm reminded of Hebrews 9:14 in the New Living Translation. It says, Just think how much more the blood of Christ will purify our consciences from sinful deeds so that we can worship the living God. For by the power of the eternal spirit, Christ offered himself to God as the perfect sacrifice for our sins. 1 John 1, 7. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. This is who we are. We step into this truth. We're cleansed. We're made right. We're washed white as snow. Even though we were tattered rags, even though we're not worthy of anything, you're not owed anything, even though America would tell you differently. You're not owed a single thing. You didn't do it. We have been given everything we need to get this wisdom from above. It's not complicated. You've been given everything you need. You have the Bible. You have his presence. You have the spirit. It's pure, and nothing is more perfectly right for you. No TikTok reel, no Instagram reel, no YouTube short, nothing. No counsel, no physical human counselor on earth could give you the perfectly right answer like God can in this way. Could the worship team come up? Yeah, I feel it too. Yeah. <laughs> so what's keeping us from actually getting this wisdom from above? Because I know you hear this, and a lot of us, we've lived a long time. Many of you are older than I, and you've probably heard sermons like this, and you're like, I know this is simple. I, I know I can do this, but what's actually keeping you from taking the next step? Or taking the next step and staying there, staying disciplined. What is actually keeping you from doing that? For some of us, do we really believe that this is real? That what I'm saying, like this character of God is real? Do we believe that you can actually get it? That it's yours for the taking? Do you believe that he actually desires to grow this in you? I know some of us might feel like, I'm just not... I sin every day. I'm horrible. Like if, if the Lord, if people knew what I do every day and, this, and the things I'm wrapped up in, like he wouldn't, he wouldn't reach for me like this. There's no way. Can I tell you? He will. <laughs> it's who you are as a son and daughter of God. It's not because you're perfect. It's because you're imperfect. That's why he extends the Holy Spirit to you. That's why he offers all of this for free to you. Because you're, <laughs> because you're nothing, because you're useless. He wants to make you useful. He wants to make you holy. 
Are you fearful of not being in control anymore? Because when you make decisions based on things you know and see, you can control the outcome. You know, you, you've seen, oh, I've done it before like this, so it's going to be like this probably as I do this now, right? But if you submit to the Holy Spirit, you're saying, Lord, whatever you want to do, I'm going to do it. That's scary. That's scary if you're looking at it this way. But if you're looking at it this way, that's liberating. That's life-changing. It's beautiful. And the joy that you'll experience through that is, it's literally unexplainable. You have to experience it for yourself. It's life-changing. Some of us might just fear the unknown of it all, but we have nothing to lose. What do you have to lose? Think about it. Maybe an awkward conversation, like, oh, you weren't ready for approaching it that way, or maybe just a decision that you wouldn't have naturally made in your own mind. You're just, it's discomfort. That's the only thing you have to lose. You have everything to gain because this isn't just good news. It's, it's legitimately life-altering news. This changes the way you live. This changes the outcome of the things you do, who you're ministering to, whether you know it or not. So many people are affected by the decisions we make every day. I mean, I could go, you make millions of decisions every week. So many people are affected. Can you imagine if we actually submitted to this truth and we made perfectly right, Holy Spirit-led decisions for a week, what that would do to the world? <laughs> like, oh, just us. Now imagine if all of Robbinsville did it and all of New Jersey did it. Like, oh my, the Lord knew this, which is why he offered this to us. Like, hey, it's here take it. Don't be a dummy. Just take it. And all we have to do is commit to be close to the Father. So this week, I'm, I want to keep it really practical. I don't want to keep it. Uh, we read a lot of scriptures. We were all over Greek and Hebrew world, but I want to bring it right here for us. This week, can you and I, because I'm going to do this too, can we commit to prayer, to being in his presence? Can you commit can you put it in your calendar? Can you do it every day when you don't feel like it? Can you put an alert? Put your phone in the drawer. Tell your spouse, can you do those things? Can you commit to praying? And it doesn't matter if you have the right words, just be in his presence. Worship. Play some, play some worship music. If you need a playlist, I'm your man. Okay? Got a good one. It's really good. Can we also commit to cracking open the Bible? You can use your phone. That's totally fine. Open the Bible and read his word. Start a reading plan. There's thousands online. It's easy. Just start a reading plan and read the word. Try soap. Try it. It's really good. If you commit to doing those things, we choose to trust that God will actually do what he says he's going to do. That the things I'm talking about, that I'm just pulling out of scripture, it's not me making this stuff up. This is what he said. Believe that he will actually do it. He's going to do it. He's not going to leave you high and dry. He's actually going to do it. All we have to do is take that step out of what we know and what we can see and be close to the Father. Say, this is, this is where I'm going to be from now on. I'm not going to distance myself anymore. I'm not just going to get by. But I want to live a life that's totally surrendered to the truth of the beauty of your purity that you offer me, this wisdom. Thank you, Jesus. We're about to sing a song called Psalm 23. And... Could we put the lyrics up for this song? 
nothing profound about this song. I just really like the simplicity of the words that we sing. It's just about the closeness of God. We are not alone, but we actually have him with us and in us. We can trust that he's going to be with us. So as, we, um, as we're going to sing this song, I want to encourage you. Would you stand with us uh, as we close here? I want to read these lyrics. Clear your mind. You'll figure out where you're going to go eat after church. Don't worry. <laughs> Clear your mind. Let's read these lyrics. And as we read it, make it your prayer this morning. And then we're going to sing it. We're going to put our mouth into practice. We're going to say, Lord, I believe these words. And then we'll come up and I'll, I'll, I'll lead the rest of the time. But I want to read them real quick. The verse, the Lord is my shepherd. He goes before me. Defender behind me. That means you're not going to get hit from behind. He's our defender behind. I won't fear. I'm filled with anointing. My cup's overflowing. No weapon can harm me. I won't fear. He always guides me through mountains and valleys. Every right decision. He always guides me. His joy is refreshing. You can experience joy in the difficult parts of life where you don't know what decision to make. Restores my soul that may have been broken, battered, and bruised by maybe some wrong decisions, maybe wrong decisions that other people have made that have hurt you. Mercy and goodness give me assurance that I'll see his glory face to face. And the chorus reads, hallelujah, I'm not alone. He is my comfort. That's one of the words for the Holy Spirit. He is my comfort. Always holds me close. The bridge, your spirit lives within me. So I will walk in your peace. Your spirit lives within me. My victory, my victory. Simple, true. And we'll just commit it. We'll commit it to practice right here and right now. Let's all lift our voice. I encourage you. God doesn't care that you can't sing. Your neighbor might, but God doesn't, okay? It, doesn't, it literally doesn't matter. Lift your voice to the king. Let's sing this together, and then we'll, we'll continue with the rest of it.